Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the 2020 Mindset Leadership Conference. I'm your host, Riley Jensen, and today I'm excited to introduce to you a good friend of mine and the head coach for the men's tennis team at the University of Utah, Roland Bratianu. Roland, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for being part of the, the Mindset Leadership Conference. Honored to be here. Good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you, too. Hey, um, so... I first met you, my, my experience was when I was in school, uh, getting my master's degree in sport and performance psychology, I met you as a, an intern for the men's tennis team. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, this may be just my gut feeling, but it, but it feels like to me that you've been a big fan and you've been very supportive of mental toughness, developing the mind, those sorts of things. So I guess there's two follow-up questions to that one. Is that true? And then two, if it is true, where did it come from? And, and, and why has that always been important to you? Yeah, I've been a big fan of training the mind. I, th I think uh, it is something that every athlete, every, every person uh, should do. We're all concerned about, you know, training our body and being healthy in that sense. And I think we often forget, forget the mind. Um, I was a, a student athlete here at the University of Utah. I played at the University of Arizona. And, and, I, and I worked with the sports psychologist, you probably know him with Keith Henshin up here, uh, you know, famous sports psychologist and did, did a lot of great work. And I saw, you know, great benefits of, of, of working with him. Um, and, and I think it's going to be an area that just, you know, for every athlete, if you're serious about what you're doing and, and you're going to your soccer practice, your football practice, your tennis practice, and your lift weights, um, this is something that that's, has to be part of your repertoire. Yeah, I, I just think it's been something that um, is, is not new. And in fact, for most of the Olympic sports, to me, it doesn't feel like it's a new concept. It feels a little bit more new with football and basketball and maybe even baseball, the, the traditional American sports. But I feel like anything that has to do with the Olympics, they've really kind of focused on the mental game. Tell me a little bit about you. Where are you from? What, how, what brought you to the University of Utah? And then... Talk a little bit about your coaching uh, experiment er, experiments. I guess it is sort of an experiment, right? So life is an experiment, isn't your it? Coaching experience. Yeah. No, I, I uh, born and raised in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Uh, moved to the United States at age 18. Uh, attended the University of Arizona. Played on the tennis team there for a couple of years. Uh, transferred to the University of Utah, where I finished up. Got a degree in, in uh, mass communication, electronic journalism an area I love, I love journalism. Um, and, uh, you know, started getting in, involved in coaching at, you know, a company called Bigger, Faster, Strong, which is a local company here in Salt Lake City. Uh, they did some leadership clinics, being 11 clinics. Um, and it was an awesome, awesome uh, start of my, uh, how you say, work career, uh, get involved in coaching, learn a profession. And, and, and then I rolled into, into being back on the tennis court, which is something that I, I, I really never thought I would enjoy. You know, when I was done with my tennis career uh, after college, you know, I wasn't good enough to go on the pro tour, uh, which was a big disappointment, something I needed to deal with. And for me, I wasn't the most talented guy, but I was somebody that worked really, really hard. I outworked most people that I played and or most everybody. And, and that's how I got to where, where, where I, you know, what I achieved. Um, and so I always had that comfort that I got everything out of my career that was in it. 
and and I was done with tennis. And then I started working with the you know the Fed Cup Junior Fed Cup teams in Guatemala. I had two girls that I was working with there that were younger, and they just informally started working with them, and it was just a lot of fun. And then my coach at the University of Utah, Coach Robbins, back that back then, gave me a call and asked if I wanted to be the assistant, and rolled back into that, and was the assistant at the U for for seven years, and. And uh, after he stepped down and I got the opportunity to become the head coach here and just finished my sixth, sixth year. So it's, um, like I said, something that I, I never thought I would do in that sense. I thought tennis was over for me. Um, but I just, I just enjoy, we're kind of laughing about it. I enjoy the experiment. I enjoy the, the challenge of helping people and, and, and everything that goes into that. Uh, you made a, you, you made kind of an interesting statement. I think, when I'm talking to athletes, we, we, we call this for, you know, this, this, this part of uh, the mental game transition in sport, right? So you're, you're done playing at the University of Utah. Maybe some dreams were broken there for a while. Talk, talk to me a little bit about what that process was like. Because I, I remember when I got done playing football, I, and, and everybody who knows me knows that I just love football. Yeah. There was a two-year period where I didn't watch one football game. I couldn't yeah. watch it. I couldn't. And, and I didn't have the tools to kind of deal with um, that transition in sport. And everybody was telling me to be a coach because they're like, oh, you'll be so good at it. You were so smart. You were cerebral. You were a hard yeah. worker. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I love coaching. I didn't know what to do. I felt lost because in some yeah. ways, a lot of my self-esteem was based on the fact that I played a college sport. Did you – how did you get through that period? How did you transition yeah, it's like you say, exactly the same thing you're going through. You know, when you're a high-performance athlete and you've been doing that since a very young age, I mean, I, I have pictures of me at, you know, two, three, four years old with a racket in my hand and a ball. Um, that was a goal, it, you know, and, and it was a dream. It was a goal. It was something that I was really committed to and disciplined at. And so at age 22, you know, when that suddenly is over, uh, at, you know, your college career is over and you come to the realization that, you know, there's still that gap to the pro level that it's not there. Um, you know, it, 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 I don't want to say it was a, like a super, super hard. I didn't get depressed or anything, but I was searching. I was definitely searching for what I wanted out of life. And, and even in my last semester in college, people were saying, what are you going to do? I, I'm going to go on the pro tour. That was my, that was my goal. And I, I was just living, you know, in, in a tunnel and, and with my eyes closed uh, pretty much. And, 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 and if you want to succeed in sports and you want to see, you kind of have to have that. Uh, but, but when it's over, there's that, there's that gap. And, um, you know, I was always very disciplined. And so when I got done, you know, it, I, I went through a phase that normally people go through at, you know, 16, 17, 18, they start to figure out, you know, what they like in life, you know, and, and I, I had some fun, you know, it's time to have some fun and, and kind of had to discover myself. And um, it was an interesting period. Um, and, and I want to say, I don't want to say it's dark, but, you know, it's definitely had to do some self-invention and, and come to find who I, who I am and what I like. And, and the funny thing is years later, you come to the realization that tennis is still who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And, and there is, there's a, there's a period of time for athletes that you have to find out who you are, what makes you tick. And 
I mean, for me, I, I bounced around for a while, right? I, I went into sales. I was coaching football. I'm doing different things. And, and literally it took till I was like 40 years old. And, and I don't mean that in the real sense, but there was some to find what I loved as much as I loved football again, to get here where I'm at right now, it took some time. And uh, I, I think even in some ways, if I hadn't had the encouragement of my wife, I was a little bit scared to say, Hey, I really want to go pursue this. Right. Like it was, there was that, there was that fear or like, who, who do you think you are that you can go and do that? Or who do you, you know, that, that, that imposter syndrome type thing. So it, it can be a, it can be a process and you have to have, I tell athletes all the time, or I ask them the question all the time, who are you besides tennis? And, or who are you besides golf or who are you besides football? And if they have a really hard time answering that question, it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm telling them like, Hey man, you might not be a pro, but I'm like, Hey, let's start working on some of this. And I don't say that to them in the sense of like, Hey, we're going to start working on your, your personality or your sense of humor or like what else you could do in life. But I, I think it helps for them to begin a little bit of balance, just step back away because that's what makes it hurt. And, but I, but I also think that there's a healthy balance too, because having those blinders on thinking that you're going, I mean, I played quarterback at Utah state and Jordan love this year is the first quarterback that's been drafted to the NFL that literally drafted since like 1979. Right. But I was positive. I was going to get drafted. I mean, and and I had those blinders on and it, and and in some ways it was unrealistic, but in some ways, it drove me to play better than I ever thought I could play. Right. Yeah. So. I yeah. And, that- and, it, and it's also that discovery. And that's what I discuss with a lot of my athletes is, you know, think about how do you want to look back at this 20 years down the road? You know, it, it, you know, this, what we do right here, unless you're that 1% or less than 1% that actually makes it to the pro tour, you know, there, there's, there's other things in life that you have to have to prepare for. And for me, to come to the realization that, you know, it just wasn't there, you know, for whatever circumstance and, and just be able to say, you know, it, it didn't happen. I wasn't good enough. Um, that, that is, uh, that took me a while. And, and I think uh, that's something that, you know, every, every athlete kind of has to go through when you, when you have the shutters on. Well, I think it's probably a compliment to you that coach Robbins asked you to be an assistant coach a few years later, because if you hadn't have left that legacy, if you hadn't have been that person that, that showed the discipline, showed the wherewithal, showed all those, he wouldn't have asked you back. So I, I think he probably did that in some ways. And, and I know coach FD very well. He, he coached with my own, my own father. And so um, he, he, he's a good man, but I, I certainly think that he has an eye for talent and an eye for, for coaching so well um, he's a special guy he is he is tell, tell me this uh, what 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 is out there what is what is something about you that nobody knows I mean there's a lot of stuff in your bio there's a lot of stuff what, what do we need to know about you that nobody knows when you moved here were you all by yourself at 18 was that yeah yeah I was all by myself family? um I, I you know I, I kind of missed that Nowadays, with a lot of a lot of athletes when they come in, you know, because um, I think I feel their parents are, you know, let's just put it this way: their parents are taking really good care of them, right? <laughs> and, and for me, <laughs> and, and for me, you know, coming from Europe, like a little bit of a different attitude, um, 
you know, I was still growing up on the street, right? You, you came home, you threw your bag away, you played soccer um, and, 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 or whatever on the street and, and you learned the rules of the street and, and you had to learn to problem solve and do all that kind of stuff. And I started, you know, played my first international tournament at age 14, um, you know, and traveled around and had some amazing experiences. And a lot of that I did, I did alone, right? Learning to make new friends. Um, so for me to come to the U.S. at age 18, it was, it was, it was a fun challenge, right? It's, it's something that, okay, let's do something new and, and I'll figure it out. And that's kind of been my, my approach in, in, in everything, okay? I'm not afraid to take chances. Um, I like challenges that are out there. Uh, it's it just, for, to me, it's like a puzzle. You just get to, you know, solve the puzzle. Yeah, I love, I love the word that you just used, challenge, right? Like some people go, oh, it's an obstacle or, oh, it's a dead end. Or I love the word challenge because challenge indicates that you can win, right? You, you can work through this. You can, you know, learn the rules to the game and, and, and even surpass your own expectations. There's a, there's a solution to every problem. And you just, you just got to keep working at it until it's there. And, and I, I, I happen to enjoy it. I know a lot of my colleagues and people that you've had on, on, on your show here, uh, they enjoy that too, or else you, you don't get in our position. God, such a, such a cool answer. What, what if, if you had to give just like your own version of the definition of mental toughness or mindset, like what, what would you say? I know they're a little bit different, but I'm talking about mental toughness here more than mindset even. What would be your, like, if you were explaining to someone or one of your new players, like, you got to be mentally tough, and here's what mentally tough means to me. What, what is it? Mentally tough is, is willing, willing to take on that challenge and find that solution. And I, I believe everybody has got their own challenges. Everybody's got their own, you know, problems and obstacles. And mentally tough are, those, in my opinion, people that are, one, not afraid to take on that challenge and two people that don't give up on trying to find the solution. I, I think that's, and, 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 and whether you're a tennis player, a football you know, player, or, or you're going into business, um, it, it's those people that usually, in my opinion, succeed. That's a great answer. Do you feel like uh, mental toughness can be grown? Can it be, can it flourish in the right place? Or, or is a kid born with it or, or he has it or he doesn't? It's a deep question. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, trying, no, I'm trying to make it tough on you. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. No. I know. I, I think. I think. I think you're born with a set, you know, capacity, and I think within that capacity, everybody can can improve, um, and and that's where I think you know, in your position and the things you do are so so important. I think everybody can can learn to be can learn to be better. I think everybody can learn to be mentally tougher. Um, can we all learn to be? Michael Jordan, you know, maybe not. I, I think just like we have physical limitations, I think we have mental limitations too. But I think there is always a room for improvement. And, and you know, I, I've been around a lot of athletes and they came to, in the door, through the door and, and you kind of look at them and go, oof, this is going to be a project, you know. And they walk out four or five years later and, and you go, I, I never expected that. So I, I'm continuing to be amazed by what people are able to do uh, you know, we've done some, some, some team building stuff, involved some of the, the army, we've got the army involved, you know, and, and it just proves that, that your mind is so much stronger than your body. And every year we do those types of things, 
my, my athletes are surprised in what they can do. And so I think there's always a lot of room for improvement. That's awesome. I, I, I agree with that. I think, I do think that there is some, you know, whether it feels like people that are mentally tough, they either are born that way or they come from a family that just had some mental toughness. And so that their environment just kind of like it gave them a great jump start on it. So they're way ahead of other people. And then there's other people that haven't had a lot of it and but all of them can improve, but it might be the same as comparing a guy that, you know, runs a hundred meter in 11.5, I mean, he might get down to an 11.0, but he's yeah. probably not ever going to run in the Olympics, right? right? Yeah, that's um, the difference. Yeah. And, and, and that might be the same in the mental game. I like, I like that thought. I, th- I think that's probably true. Um, has, has your mindset been important in your career? Has that been an important characteristic? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll give you a little bit of an example. I was just talking to somebody earlier this week, and, and, and my brother is two years younger. And if you want to talk about a, a, an athlete and, and a tennis player and just pure talent, uh, but very, very different personalities. I mean, he, he could pick, pick something up, learn it very quickly. And I'm his older brother. I mean, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, the older guy, you're supposed to lead things. And, and here he is. And he's my height. He, he's faster than I am. He hits the ball just as good as I am. And, and for me to hold up with him, it's like, hold on a second. I got to, I got to outwork him because I can't do the things that he can do. Um, but, but I think what, 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 grows you as a person is that you have to encounter those um those challenges right you have to encounter that, that some 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 failure in life and then have to come to that realization of um okay do i really want to do this and if i want to do this how am i going to get better how am i going to improve how am i going to do this different so that i can beat other people um you know i was kind of jokingly saying earlier about about parents you know being so super nice to, to their kids and they're taking too good care of their kids. Um, you, you, you've got to sometimes let them fail. You've got to let them fail to have that success. And, and for me growing up, I had parents that were incredibly supportive. You know, I, I, I love my parents. You know, I, I wish, I wish more kids had my parents. Uh, my dad was a former athlete, a great athlete and, and, and knew what it took to be successful at a high performance level. Um, so, so we definitely had some push and some drive, but, but one of the things, you know, that I had to encounter myself is deal with disappointment, deal with things not working out and, and then pushing through. And, and um, you know, whether it was, you know, having to beat my brother on a day-to-day basis or whether it was, you know, I had, had a couple knee surgeries before I turned age 18 and coming back from that and having to overcome things. And, and that's what makes you uh, tougher, mentally tougher and more goal-oriented. When, when did you know... When did you know that you, that you wanted to play tennis? Like, I, I think there's a mo. I mean, I think when we're young, we're, we're running around and it's kind of fun to figure out how to t- hit a topspin forehand. It's fun to do a volley. It's fun to learn how to do a kick serve. And then all of a sudden there's a moment where it's like, okay, I'm going to commit to this. Do you, yeah. do you remember that moment? Do you remember the moment of love or the moment of, Ooh, I had a big win and that was exhilarating and I want more of this feeling. Do you remember when that was? Yeah, I, I, very, very vividly. Um, I played, I mean, I went with my, you know, my dad started to play and I was, you know, two, three years old, went to the court, saw him hit the ball, you know, grabbed the racket and did whatever. Um, and, and 
it wasn't until about age 10 uh, that we reached a little bit of a, a point in our life where we had to make a decision. You know, we, we my dad's a PE teacher, you know, my, my mom had an office job. Uh, we were very, you know, normal, you know, people. Uh, and, and, and we weren't well off. And so we had to, we played a lot of sports. My brother and I played every sport in the book, you know, my dad, with my dad being a PE teacher, we played everything. And at a certain time we had to choose. And I remember that conversation with our parents and saying, they asked us, and I was, was 10 years old and we had an opportunity I, 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 at age nine. I won the club championships under 18 at my club in Amsterdam. And I made the semifinals in the adults. And so I was invited to go to this academy, you know, the next year at age 10, and it was going to cost us a lot of money. And, and, um, and so my, my parents sat us down and said, look, you're more than welcome to continue to play soccer and do judo and do basketball and do volleyball and do all those other things. But if you, if you seriously want to commit to this, um, it's, it's going to cost us a lot of money and we're fully supportive. We'll do whatever we can, but if you're going to do this, we want you to really go after it. And my brother and I looked at each other and said, well, that's an easy call. Let's go. We're going to do it. And, uh, and, and it's been a great ride ever since. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. That, that decision right there has decided where you live in the world, what your career is. I mean, think about that. You were at 10 years old with your parents. That decision right there took your life on a path never never to really turn back right and yeah. and it's a good thing you were committed yeah. <laughs> right? right um do you feel like um do you feel like mindset or the mentality of athletes has changed over the years and how have you had to adjust what do you do to adjust to that i i, I think uh, from from a pro, pro level you know at the highest level I think everybody has come to understand what it takes to be a professional athlete. You know, every, every uh, factor has been taken in uh, from strength training to the mental part to your skill training. Everything has been factored in. And I, and I think um, if you want to be a pro athlete, you've got to be unbelievably gifted and you're going to be unbelievably determined uh, to get there uh, and, and disciplined to get there. I think what's changed also through media and social media uh, you know, and people watching TV is, is the dream of becoming a professional athlete and that chase for money and, and the drive by, by parents uh, to push harder and harder and harder and to take care and to overcompensate for, you know, a lot of, a lot of things that you used to, you, you kind of have to figure those out yourself and that has to come from within. Right. And so, yeah, have, have things changed? Absolutely. Um, we're noticing that, you know, we're, we're providing a ton of care for athletes, whether it's mindset or strength and conditioning. And, and, and they have to learn a lot at age 18. They still have to kind of figure themselves out in many ways. And I think, you know, I don't want to say, definitely don't want to sound like back in the day, everything was good. You know, everything was so much better. It wasn't right. We're dealing with better athletes. They're better trained, but they are requiring different treatment um, because they haven't learned some of these skills to really, figure themselves out yet you talked a little bit about um failure you talked a little bit about those sort of, what's your biggest failure or, or what was your biggest setback and what how, how did you learn from that oh gosh we're gonna go 
really far back. I, I think, I think that my, my, my real first encounter with, with, with failure, um, fit with physical setback was, was at that first knee surgery, right? At age 16, when, when, you, when you're thinking you're at, I mean, look, come on at 16, we all think, you know, we're, we're the next, you know, Roger Federer, or we're the next right. Peyton Manning. Um, and, 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 and I, I actually, you know, I, I tore my meniscus and it was back in the day that you had to still sit, you know, you couldn't move for eight weeks right nowadays. You're just out of the hospital hopping around, but you know, you had to sit still for eight weeks. Um, I missed the entire summer season in Holland. We don't have much else than a summer season because the rest of the season it rains and there's not that much indoor tournaments and stuff going on. Um, that was, that was a setback. Um, I was on a roll. I was getting better. I was growing fast. I was lifting weights. Um, and, and I really felt I was on the right path, uh, to reaching my dreams and reaching my goals. I was training with, uh, with high performance athletes that, that played in the grand slams that were top hundred in the world and, I, and had that opportunity to train with them. And then when that injury came up, it was a shock. It was a shock because that was not part of the plan. You know, that, that, that's not how I had it in mind. And, and that I think was the first real lesson for me that, that the only consistent part of life is change, right? You've you got to be ready to, to adapt and to change on everything that comes your way. And I could have sat there and said, you know, this hurts, this sucks. Um, and, and I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm going to hang out with my buddies. Um, no, for me, it was, how do I get back? What do I need to do to get back? And how do I get better from this? And, 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 and you know, unfortunately, I had to deal with a few more surgeries and, 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 and some things on, uh, on my path. But, but that's life. You must, you must have really loved it by then. Yeah. You must have yeah. really loved the sport by then. I was crazy. I was, I, I, tell, was, I was crazy. Yeah, I tell athletes all the time, I'm like, you better love your sport. If you're going to play college sports, you, you better love it because it's going to take way more than it gives you. It's going to give you a lot. Don't get me wrong. You're going to get accolades. You're going to get a work. People are going to want to hang out with you just because you're on the tennis team, just because you're on the football team, just because you're on the basketball team. But it's going to take way more than it gives you. So you better love it, you know. And it's because of injuries. It's because of adversity. It's because of all these things that, that happen. I, I love it. I love it. Um, are, there, are there any coaches or people that you played with that – that you, you find yourself stealing from a lot that were mentally tough, that were, that were good examples of that to you? I, I think I'm the biggest thief out there. You know, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think as, a, as a coach. I think athletes are thieves. <laughs> I think as a coach, you're constantly looking around, whether it's for skill instruction or strategy or mindset or quotes or, or videos. I mean, we're constantly looking to, to, to do new things and, and, and um, to reach each individual athlete, you got to reach them differently. And you know, everybody fits the same mold. And so I'm constantly, constantly looking around and, and uh, to seeing what I can steal from other people and I've got, become pretty good at it. Um, I, I think you take from every, every person that's around you. you know, life teaches you things when you're on your way. And I've been very, very fortunate that I've been around a lot of coaches. A lot of good coaches. Um, when I was playing at the University of Arizona, Coach Wright, who unfortunately passed away last year, um, you know, he, he, he Hall of Famer. Uh, it was the enjoyment of the game, you know. It was coming out and just, 
you know, competing and, and, and just having a great time with competing. Uh, Coach Robbins uh, was very different, uh, you know, old school. Uh, but, but the one thing that I, that I took from him, uh, and, and I tell all of my athletes, and, and a lot of, you know, I see kids and they ask me stuff and I tell them, I said, you know, one of the biggest um, compliments that you can get as a parent, and you and I are both parents, is when someone comes up to you and says, gosh, you know, your son, your daughter is the hardest worker, you know, and, I, and, I, and that's something that I've taken with me. Um, and when I, when I finished my career, he, he said that, you, you, you're, you're a hard worker, you know, and I knew that meant a lot uh, for Coach Robbins, you know, yeah. and that was, I, I, you know, I have a quote up here, one of those big things when I come down the steps of my house, you know, it's that, it's that saying from, from, from Derek Jeter. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's okay to just people that have more talent, but it's not okay for them to work harder than you. And, and I think that's kind of one of those things that I carry with me and that I've carried with me all my life. I'm not the most talented player. I'm not the most physically gifted player. Mentally, I'm not even the best player, but, but I did work harder than anybody else. And I was more committed and more disciplined to do that. And, you know, I was crazy as a kid. Like I was crazily obsessed with how to maximize to get better. I jumped on my bicycle and went to the club in the summer months when there was school. And I was there the entire day, you know, and I found people to play. Let's play. Let's get better. Oh, we can lift. You're old enough to lift, you know, um, yeah. figuring out how to get better, figuring out what to eat, figuring out how to get mentally better. Um, there has to be that love. Yeah. That's, that's a great answer. That's just fantastic. If, um, if we were to take your peers, let's say people that were around you the most from 16 years old to 24 years old, and, and we were to, we were, and they were to fill in the blank, they would say, Roland will be successful because he blank. What would they say? I don't know. I'd be interested in that. <laughs> I'll be very interested to see what they say. Um, I think because I'm determined, you know, um, I, I think that would be the most predominant one. I, at least I hope that's what they would say. Is there, is there a shadow side to that determination? Has that ever hurt you? Has that ever been? Has that ever yeah, you should, you should talk to my significant other. <laughs> my better half. <laughs> um, I'll talk to Dee I'm not afraid. I'm yeah. not afraid. I'll ask her. You know, no, it, it's, it's, it's a passion, right? And, and you and I, you and I, as former high-performance athletes and as coaches, you know that passion. And, and for us, I wake up in the morning, and there's never, ever been a morning in my life that I go, gosh, i got to go to work. You know, I don't want to go to work right now. For me, it's not even work, you know. And for me, um, you know, 1 a.m. at night, phone call with a kid, you know, in Europe or, you know, the recruit in Australia, great, no problem, let's do it. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, I, I need to be reminded to, to, to push the brakes a little bit, you know, and say, hey, you got to be present. You got to be, be at home. Um, right. I, I need you here with me. You know, we got two kids. Uh, they need you too. They need your attention. And, and sometimes, yeah, there's a dark side to that. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to yourself 15 years ago? What would you say to Roland, Coach Roland, 15 years ago? What would you say? Be more understanding. Be more understanding. I, 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 you know, 
I think in the beginning when I was a young coach coming in, it was always like, this is what it is. This is, I'm telling you, and this is how it has to be. Right. And I think the biggest lessons that I've learned over the course of the last you know, 15 years coaching, um, you know, everybody's from a different mold. Everybody responds to things differently. Um, you got to get to know the person. You got to get to know, you know, the athlete and, and the person, as you described earlier, right? There's a difference between the athlete and what else goes on. What makes a person tick? How do they respond? And it's not only, it's not one mold. Um, you know, I was watching, I mean, everybody else is watching the same show, right? The, the, what is it called? The Michael right. Jordan show? The Last uh, Dance. The Last Dance. And, and, and it's that episode where uh, Dennis Rodman comes in and says, I need a vacation. You know, Michael Jordan going, I, what do you mean I need, a, I need a vacation? That guy doesn't need a vacation. And, and Phil Jackson gives him the vacation. Um, I would have handled that situation so differently 15 years ago than I would now. And understanding of, you know, that people are different and have, people have different needs. And, and, and we're still, you know, we're a team, but we're still an individual sport, you know. And so everybody right. kind of ticks differently. And I think that's been the biggest lesson for me over the years is that uh, you, gotta, you, you, can't, you can't treat everybody the very same. In theory, you should. But in reality, you can't. Yeah. Um, it's, been, it's been a rough time for, for people around the world since what December COVID-19 coronavirus, whatever you want to call it has, has impacted people. People have lost lives. People have lost businesses. People have lost their 401k. People are worried about things. Is there, is there any advice or anything that you've learned through the years that, that, that maybe would be impactful or helpful to people right now? Well, you know, it's definitely put things into perspective, hasn't it? I mean, you know, I mean, we're at home. You can probably hear my little one. He just woke up from his little nap. Uh, you know, it, it's put things into perspective. What's important? Um, you know, for, I told you earlier, you know, it's got a dark side of that determination and to be around and to be with family and to, and to cherish those moments. I think there's always a silver lining to everything. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm still upbeat. You know, my, my, my wife, it's like, how, how are you, how are you still upbeat about it? I'm like, you know, I'm at home. I spend more time with, with my kids. I spend more time with you. Um, and, 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 and there's always a silver lining to, to everything. And it's just how you look at things. You know, do you look at the glass half full or you look at it half empty? Um, I heard another good quote another day and says, you know, the glass is not empty until it's completely empty. And, and I kind of like that even more than the half, than the glass okay. half full or half empty. Yeah. Um, look, this is a hard time. This is probably one of the hardest times that, that in our generation that, that we have faced. Um, um, but we're going to get out of this, you know, and throughout history, um, there've been, there've been way worse times uh, and, and way worse things that have happened, you know, over, over the centuries that we've been here. Um, I remember my, 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 my two grandfathers, uh, you know, went through World War II right. um, and, and, and in Europe, you know, that was, that was serious. And that last winter in, 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 in Europe, in Holland, where there was no food and, 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 and temperatures did not get above 32 degrees. Um, that's still people that we know. That's still people that are close to us, that, that, have, that have seen their family members uh, die, that have seen their family members starve. Um, and that is in Western Europe, you know, and, and 
the, the thing that we always have to keep in mind is how lucky we are. You know, I've had the fortune to travel all over the world. And, and let me tell you, you you're going to go to areas in the world where um, you, you won't believe what you see. And, and we're just part of that, you know, 1%, even though we might not be the richest 1% that everybody always talks about. But we're that 1% of the world population, 2% of the world population where you have a house, overall food, people around you that care for you. You know, we're relatively safe. You know, we've got good health care. And so we're going to get through this. And, 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 and it might take us a while. It might go fast. But we're going to get through this. And, and, and just look at the things that are positive and, and use those things to your advantage and take advantage of those things that are around you that you normally wouldn't be able to do and make the best of it. Oh, I love that. I, I think what you just brought up, it, it reminded me of a quote, you know, we give power to what we focus on. Yeah. Right? So you, you go out, you, you buy a yellow sports car, all of a sudden, all you notice on the road is a bunch of yellow cars, right? Or you yeah. go out and, you know, you, you're looking around and, and you're focused on the trees in the forest, right? And, and then all of a sudden, every tree you see in your neighborhood is like, oh, I saw that up. And, and so we do give power to what we focus on. And I think that's the lesson is, in some ways, is that we, we can focus on the negative. There's plenty of negative, And I'm not saying that it's not real. Mm-hmm. But, but what, is, what is more important? And, and what's going to be more functional for you as a person to focus on the positive or to focus on the negative? Or like you said, just the silver lining. What's the silver lining? Well, we get to spend a lot of time with our families right now. We get to be there. We get to enjoy them. There's nothing pressing us to leave. There's no games to go to. There's no practices to go to. And that's sad in a lot of ways for all of us, but it's also a really good time to reconnect with our families. So I, I love that. I think, I think, you know, what you're saying about the silver lining and trying to remain positive and man, just, you know, the, 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 the glass isn't empty until it's all the way empty. I, I like that. I like that. So gosh, I'm, I'm going to let you get back to your son, Maximus. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's going to be a good boy, just like his, his parents, but uh, we appreciate you taking a little bit of time with us. You're going to bring him over here. Oh, right, right here. That's Send what I'm talking about. Get his hair. Dude, that's what I'm talking about. He's camera ready, man. He's camera ready. ready. No makeup needed. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Coach, for spending a little bit of time with us. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good luck to all of you. Thank you.